0: Welcome to Jim Galliano's Building a Better Web Presence podcast. Build something better with less moving parts, less overhead, and less headaches. Hey everyone, this is Jim Galliano. Thanks for joining me for today's podcast episode. I was going to talk a little bit today about my new marketing and SEO playbook, something that I recently just published. It's not available yet at my website. I think what I'm going to do is, for those who are already subscribed to the Digital Strategist Newsletter, which is available at jimsnewsletter.com, I'll probably just go ahead and put a link to it there. That way you can download it and go ahead and browse through that. But I have been hearing so much information and seeing so much disruption over the last week or so in the business world, thanks to AI AI and it having an impact that is much quicker than anticipated, I thought, let me talk a little bit about this. Let me start out with this today. Now recently, I read about a few content creation companies. These were mid-sized companies that recently closed down here in the US, very successful companies because of the speed at which ChatGPT and other AIs are being implemented writers, editors, copywriters are being trimmed from the payrolls of mid-sized and large companies as we speak right here right now. And even the experts are expressing a bit of surprise at the speed at which this is happening. One of the national newspapers here in the United States interviewed a few writers who recently lost their jobs and in retrospect they said they saw it coming in January as ChatGPT was being uh, introduce inside internally within their companies. And it was so easy to use that the executives decided that it made more sense for fewer people, fewer people were needed to do uh, writing jobs, thanks to chat GPT And even though they all agreed that the standard of writing, or maybe the accuracy, maybe that would be a better way to say it, was just a little bit beneath Uh, what they would like, what they would prefer in a perfect world, the money that they were saving was worth the dip in quality. Now, keep that in mind because ChatGPT, of course, was just released to the general public in November of 2022. And it's only going to get better. It's only going to improve. It's not going to go backwards. So if it's good enough now, where will it be in November of 2023? Now Sometimes you have to just look at the reality of what's happening in the marketplace, see it for what it is, and begin to make some adjustments. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk a little bit about this in today's podcast episode. So the matter of fact, the, the woman who introduced ChatGPT to her company, she figured that being that she was considered to be the top editor within the company that they were going to be talking about it anyway so she thought she would get ahead of it and she would show the executives how they could improve their workflow the writing of their emails and different things of that nature to just make things a little better a little smoother for them and then after, they were so excited about the possibilities of chat gpt now keep in mind this is just one company but they were so excited about the possibilities they asked her to share that same knowledge with the other departments so that was january of 2023 within 60 days she had shared that information at the request of the company executives with several other departments and 30 days from that point most of the people 90 percent of the individuals were released their jobs their services were no longer required and then at the six-month point she was called into the office and was also told that they would no longer be keeping her position they released her and you know the even though i it wasn't an interview it wasn't a video interview that i was reading it was just text on paper i could feel the emotion coming through the writing through the interview through the words that she was saying That she thought she was doing the right thing. She knew it was coming anyway, but she figured that being she had a good relationship with her bosses and she had been there with the company a number of years, that she would be one of the people that would survive this transition from everything being hand done to uh, being done with AI. And it wasn't the case. And so basically, she's taking a little bit of time off and she's thinking about changing professions completely. In another example, the head of a company was talking about how he was, by the time January had, they had reached the end of January, they already lost one big client. And this is a content creation company that wrote blog articles and things of that nature to help this company with their marketing. By the end of February, they lost two more accounts. And now in May, the end of May, they were forced to close their doors. He said we just couldn't compete even if they decided to use AI themselves to cut the production time, the writing time down to a fraction of what it would have taken to do the manual research the way they did it previously. He said that the cost per article was just so low that it would not cover their overhead. It just didn't even make it worthwhile to be in business anymore. And I have to say that I've seen this happen before, of course, as technology over the years has has affected different marketplaces. This is nothing new, but what is new about the time that we're in now is the speed at which it's happening. Something that used to take several years to play out. If you were alive when PCs became a staple in every home, you remember how that progression gradually began when some of the first PCs came out, maybe in the late 70s. I mean, how many homes had a PC in them or had some type of device in them like that and how rapidly things have changed. And as time has gone on, those changes have come faster and with greater impact. And this time is going to be, I think, the fastest that we've seen yet. And, you know, the reason why I'm bringing this up today is because I think it's super important to understand some of the colder realities of the business world in general. For example, let's take a publicly traded company. Well, hold on, before I get to that, let me just pull this up here. This is from Business Insider, and this was just published last week. It says, almost 4,000 people were laid off in May because of artificial intelligence. It's the first time AI has been listed in the monthly report from Challenger, Gray, and Christmas. Some 3,900 of over 80,000 job cuts took place in May and they were attributed to AI, the report found. Other listed reasons that cost more jobs included things like market and economic conditions, cutting costs, restructuring, mergers, and acquisitions. The firm found that between January and May, There were about 417,500 jobs lost, making it the worst five-month start to a year since 2020, when the onset of the pandemic led to more than 1.4 million layoffs. Outside of the pandemic, the start of 2023 has produced the worst layoff numbers since the 820,000 layoffs that took place at the start of 2009, per the Challenger report. By the way, that company is called Challenger Gray and Christmas, what a name, huh? Anyway, a spokesperson confirmed to Insider that the May report is the first time AI has been included as a reason and said cuts came from the tech sector, which is buzzing with the latest developments in the AI tech from ChatGPT to new features announced seemingly every week from companies like Google, Adobe, and now Amazon. While Challenger expects the trend to continue, the spokesperson said some companies could be hesitant to reveal AI as a motivating factor for layoffs, and it's unclear how the number of jobs created by AI will compare with the number of the jobs that are eliminated because of it. Just last week, the largest eating disorder support nonprofit in the US, the National Eating Disorder Association confirmed to insiders Brittany Nigen, that it has replaced at least six helpline employees with an AI chatbot named Tessa it has been using since last year. However, the organization said Tuesday that it was briefly shutting Tessa down. That came amid reports that one user said that Tessa provided advice like weighing yourself weekly and counting calories, ideas that users said previously led to her developing an eating disorder to begin with. So we can go down and read the rest of this. I'm not going to, but I just wanted to just briefly touch on that. That's one of about a half a dozen articles that I've seen, all in different industries. For example, in the legal industry, there is a new AI there. Sometimes people think that ChatGPT is basically the only game in town not realizing that AI technology and different types of it are being released in just about every type of industry you can think of. And a matter of fact, there is going to be a huge disruption in the legal industry as the largest law firm in the world has bought the rights to an AI that will basically replace half of their work staff. We're talking about attorneys now, not to mention all of the paralegals that used to do a lot of the grunt work. It will now be done by AI. So when you look at that information, That is going to touch everything from the tech sector, to the education sector, to the legal sector, all of that. I'm just touching on a few now. And you combine that with a slow economy and debt at historic rates. Right now, consumer debt hit a record $1 trillion here in the United States. Those figures were released about a week and a half ago and you go back to the world of just black and white numbers, underneath all of the hoopla and all of the you know, people making every topic about politics, underneath all of that is something that never changes and that is the numbers. If you're not increasing the bottom line through sales, think about how much money could be made by reducing staff and implementing AI cross-company on a broad scale. I mean, it's just incredible when you think about not only the damage that it can be done, but why companies are going to be so quick to do it. Because most of these large companies that employ lots of people, they're publicly traded companies. And their investors want to see at the bottom line improving every 30, 60, or 90 days, or else the CEO, the people running the company, are, no, are they're out of a job. And so I see people talking about things like, well, how it's not ready and how it doesn't do quite as good a job as an individual can. But guess what? As far as the powers that be are concerned, it's ready enough. It's ready enough as far as the key decision makers go in more industries than not today in June of 2023. Now, whatever you're thinking, I want you to put that aside for a minute and look at the situation from more of a detached, And calculating kind of way. And let's go back to some of the things that never change. They never change regardless of what's happening in the economy. They never change as so far as how technology is or is not used. Let's go back to the foundation principles of business 101 because this affects you and I, how we plan for our future, and our ability to put ourselves in a position where we're continuing to grow make more money in the weeks, months, and years ahead instead of holding on to what we have and watching it gradually slip away. I've been in both places in the last 25 years with my business. I have been in places where it was time to change. Now, I can tell you about what happened in my own business, of course. My business is particular to me. My circumstances where I live, the country I live in, the state I live in, there's a lot of other factors that would not apply to you. So you couldn't use my decision making process with my own business as a template for your own. But there are some things, there are some takeaways that you would be able to apply. Now let me start with this. Business 101, people are going to pay you for the value you bring to the marketplace. Isn't that true? Will AI change that? No. AI won't change that. Now the question is, can AI replace you? And in your opinion, I have to ask, do you think that AI could replace you, what you do, what you provide, within the next six months? Now if you have a writing or research job, the answer to that question may very well be yes, especially if you're employed by someone else. Maybe you're starting your business as a side hustle, it depends. Now, if you own your own business, the answer may still be yes, but it may also depend on what kind of market that you're in. Now, we know that this is being adapted really quickly, but it's one of those from the top down types of implementations. It's not really from the bottom up. And that's usually the way things are. You know, you'll see the Fortune 200 companies are gonna be the first people through the door with this because they're seeing the possibilities Of making money not only by cutting costs and cutting overhead but by selling that technology to other companies maybe companies like the kind that you and I have the businesses like we have but if you own a business the point is is that you don't want to find yourself in a place where you become paralyzed by the fear of what if you know the what-ifs go through your mind it's impossible to keep those thoughts from coming but it is possible to keep those thoughts from growing roots. See, once those thoughts, well, what if this happens? And what if this continues to get worse? You know, there's no time like the present to start making some alternative plans for the future if you've identified some potential threats that are on the not too distant horizon. So if we bring this topic closer to home, for example, right to your doorstep, what would be next? Well, from a marketing perspective, Everything starts with the value we bring to the table, so that's something we have to reassess regularly. I do it throughout the year. For example, if you're a website developer, maybe you can add content creation into the mix to increase the value of the websites that you create for your clients. In that example, AI would become an asset to you and not a threat. However, a year from now, it could be that content creation and website development could more or less become one and the same thing. It could be the norm where people expect the content to be created by you in the not too distant future because AI is implemented very closely with website development and that could go for the actual design also. What used to be a premium service then could become part of a just basic product. So content creation could be a short-term fix in one case but not a long-term one depending on your situation, you know, it may be impossible for you to accurately plan more than a year or so out because you just don't have enough information. For example, in the digital agency world, I'm talking about design agencies, marketing agencies, advertising agencies. I expect a lot of jobs will be lost over the next 12 to 24 months. Now, I'm not talking about small businesses that employ like one to three people, four people. I'm talking about the larger agencies you'd see in the bigger cities departments will be eliminated or combined with fewer people needed to complete most of the tasks. It's like the old kids game of musical chairs. When the music stops, there will be fewer chairs and more and more people will be out of the game. When I think about the technical world, I think about how many people that I know that on a smaller scale started YouTube channels. And this goes back to one of the things that I've been talking about now for several years and that is the importance of building your personal brand and all of the benefits that can be connected to that. You know, there's a kind of information, I call it infotainment. I I didn't create that phrase, I've heard it before, but it's giving information, and that information isn't something that you may plug into your business or directly into your personal life. It's more like the kind of information that makes you feel like you can identify with the person on the other side of the video or on the other side of the audio. Now, for those of you who've been on Facebook or Twitter for a while, you've made friends over the years, you have to recognize that you already have a personal brand. Even if you're not that active anymore, all it would take is for you to, like the saying goes, lean into it. And for example, let's say that your field is dying. How much effort would it take to start a blog or a podcast or a video channel that you dedicate towards helping people in your field find the next thing, having gone through it or going through it yourself. Do you think those people would be able to maybe identify with you a little better than somebody just giving general information? You could provide support. You could provide encouragement in your content. Again, it doesn't matter whether we're talking about blogs, podcasts, video channels, or all of the above. And even if you don't know enough that you feel that you could create all the content for yourself. You could find people to interview who are in the process of reinventing themselves and doing something new. Think about it because at the base of all of this, the undercurrent that runs through it all, is what we call the human touch factor. It's so important and yet it's so overlooked. Perhaps above everything else today, I think on a gut level, people want to feel less alone they're drawn to others who make them feel less so. And this isn't an age or group or niche type of thing that anyone is immune from because I believe that people feel more alone, more disconnected now than ever before. Almost no one feels like they fit in anywhere. Have you talked to people lately? Have you shared with your family and friends and and have gotten feedback from them? Is there anybody that really fits in, feels good, feels comfortable, everything's going great? Very few. Isn't that the case? And so if you retune your brand, so to speak, like an instrument, to speak to a specific group of people out there who need that connection, I believe that you can help more people than you could probably even imagine or maybe even believe at this point. So I'm talking about getting a little bit away from the mechanical Type of thinking or the mechanical approach to marketing and looking at it from more of a human to human level. I know some people share and and this is, I don't know if we would call it an art. I don't know if it would be accurate to put it that way, but we go through our journeys, we go through our challenges, and it's not enough to address the problem so that people feel that, okay, I understand what they're going through. I've gone through something similar like divorce, for example, or the loss of a loved one, or, you know, being evicted from your home, or or whatever it happens to be, whatever the challenge is, it is the ability to provide that positive component that gives the person hope. Because we all know that misery loves company, right? I mean, bars are a great example for years, places where people go and they share their miseries over a drink. And to one extent, it feels kind of sort of good, to be able to share what's bothering you. But how much better is it when you find someone that gives you a step that can take you out of that situation into a better place? That's what I'm talking about with the human touch factor. It could be something as simple as a word of encouragement or the sharing of ideas. I've also seen quite a few bloggers and video creators out there who more or less share their life and business journeys with their audience and they make a full-time living between the content they create, the advertisements that they have either on their websites or on their video channels, the affiliate offers they have, the products they sell, all of those things combined together. And that's another example of the personal touch element that I'm talking about, the sharing of life and how it integrates with the, with the topic. And let me just add one more thing here. I believe this is another example of what I was talking about earlier with the word infotainment. It's information that has entertainment value. Now, I know when we say the word entertainment, sometimes we think about an extreme in entertainment, like getting really excited about an action movie or laughing at a comedy. But there's other kinds of entertainment that fit into the, I guess we would call them welcome distractions. Maybe that's a good way to put it. But there's a lot of information out there that's designed as much to distract people or entertain in a light way as it is to provide information on how to solve problems or how to make progress or do something like that. I know I've watched wood finishing videos on how someone would take an older piece of furniture and restore the finish, and I had no intention on doing that, but I found it interesting, entertaining, distracting. I would spend 10 or 20 minutes watching it, and then sometimes I would share it with someone or talk to someone in my family about it And yeah, it's not something that I had any intention on doing myself, but yet it was a welcome diversion, I guess you would call it. I remember, and I've given this example before, a a local author used to be in law enforcement who wrote a book on how to be a bounty hunter, how to become a bounty hunter. And they said that they recognized as they were writing the book that the book was written for curiosity seekers as much or more so than it was for people actually looking to become professional bounty hunters. And I think we see that a lot in the business world today too. People looking to make money, but they really don't want to put the effort into building a business. They really don't want to put the energy into doing all of the other things. They're just looking at the enjoyable parts of it, and they don't follow through because, kind of like the bounty hunter example, they really don't want to go out there and be a bounty hunter and face all of the negative things that come with that profession, but it's kind of fun to think about or get distracted from maybe some more unpleasant things that are happening in your local surroundings. But it's sad to say this, but when you really think about it, the people who entertain in our modern society, the people that provide welcome distractions often get paid a whole lot more than people providing practical real-life solutions to problems. I mean, think about athletes and actors, the high-paid ones, as an example of this. When you really think about it, isn't there a huge disconnect between what they actually are getting paid and what they bring to society, the value they bring to society? I mean, look, I don't have anything against high paid actors or athletes. I don't. That's not my point. I think it's great. Hey, if someone has skill and they can take advantage of a system and get rich in the process, then why wouldn't that person go ahead and do that? The point I'm trying to make is When it comes to you as an individual, don't be narrow-minded when it comes to the type of value that you're capable of bringing to the table, especially in the months, and I hate to say years to come, but when I say years, I'm talking about 12 to 24 months. It's just like a recipe that can transform what would otherwise be an ordinary meal into a memorable one. The right ingredients or mixture can do the same for you in your business or individually. I know when it comes to building certain types of online businesses, many of the people who teach how to succeed in these businesses aren't even in those businesses anymore. For example, there's plenty of people who teach you or can teach you how to build websites, how to do a graphic design or a graphic design business, how to manage ad campaigns and more. But these people are no longer in those businesses, they're no longer selling those services directly to clients. You know, people do not get out of the field for no reason. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. So we'll all be keeping our eyes open to see how things play out over the next several months. It shouldn't take longer than that to get a really good feel of how what's unfolding right now in real time might or could affect your business, both in the short term, I'm talking about within the next six to eight months, or over the long term is this something that is going to affect you big time maybe three years down the line or not so you know that old saying about the writing being on the wall that story that comes from the Old Testament where they were partying it up and all of a sudden a hand appears and it puts its writing on the wall basically the the writing said this the party is over and there was no going back that was the end of that empire right there it ended in a big bash so I, you know, I hate to think about it, but I think that's happening in some industries right now. The writing's on the wall. People can say what they want. And I remember in my early 20s being in the graphic design field where the people that did graphic design manually using inks and pens and specialty papers and that kind of thing, and we, that's how I was trained in college with inkings and mylars and all of that and these big photo stat cameras, how the computer was going to replace all of that. And I remember the old timers of that time saying, and I was just a kid, I was just looking at, I was just getting started. And they were probably three quarters of the way through their journey. And they would say things like, well, what happens if the computer breaks? Then, I mean, all we have to do or something goes wrong with the software, we have all the tools, we can still get the job done and still get it off to the printer really that is kind of sometimes one of those ways of putting the inevitable off and in that particular studio I think they did for a little bit but eventually it caught up to them just like you know reality catches up eventually to everyone so I know this sounds negative and in a way it is negative but in another way it's positive because um if you haven't read the book who moved my cheese excellent time to get it you can read it in one sitting I've mentioned it at least four or five times over the last few years in this podcast. It's a great book on change, but the skill set that you have is not going to be obsolete. It can be reapplied in other marketplaces and other types of businesses, or you can just kind of take the value that your business currently brings to the marketplace and supersize it by combining some new elements to it that aren't currently there. In other words, you have a lot of options, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is there is a reality that you have to face in order to get to the point where you're willing to make some changes, whether they're major or whether they're minor or kind of somewhere in between. So, And as the old musical chair analogy that I used, it doesn't mean the whole whole industries will disappear. It'll just mean that There'll be fewer chairs for people to sit in, and many of those who started the game won't be in it any longer going forward. So today's episode is sponsored, or was sponsored by, two of my very own marketing resources, the Digital Strategist Newsletter, which is available at jimsnewsletter.com, and the One to Many System, which is available at onetomanysystem.com, the culmination of my 25-plus years of doing business online. So that's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you think it will help a friend, please go ahead and share the episode link with them. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or wherever else you happen to be, or send them to jimgaleano.com forward slash podcast. Back episodes can be found there as well. That's all for now. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you later.